are once again with Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. And Lauren, what is going on today? Oh, you know what? I can only hear out of one ear because the kittens destroyed another one of my headphones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is is it just pure chewing or it's do they fight che- over it? Or This one's just chewing. The last one they peed on, but this one's just chewing. Oh, yes. I remember the pee phones. <laughs> well, today I am reading Joey. Joey. Yeah, Joey. You know Joey. <laughs> Joey, Joey. You know, I wonder if his last name is also Joey. It, it is now. Okay. Joey, Joey took a stone and knocked down the sun. And whoosh, it swizzled down so hard. And bloomp, it bounced in his backyard. And glunk, it landed on his toe. And the world was dark. And the corn wouldn't grow. And the wind wouldn't blow. And the cock wouldn't crow. And it was always night, night, night. All because of a stone and Joe. And the picture is a naked little kid that's throwing a stone all the way onto the other page. Why Joey? I'm starting to go through all the poems that I can just do off the cuff. And so now I'm stuck with the ones that I actually have to do some background stuff for. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I mean, there are some things I can do off the cuff. Like, uh, I'm thinking about how Joe this this Joey poem reminds me of, like, you know, the dinosaur-ending meteor. But instead of it, that, it's somebody who knocked out the sun instead of a meteor coming down and knocking out the sun via spraying ash everywhere. The nerd in me compares the Death Star to Starkiller Base. I don't know what Starkiller Base is. That's the, uh, it, it's the uh, Death Star equivalent from the new trilogy oh right 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 it's in, called uh, okay it's Force called awakens i i didn't bother to remember what the hell it was called because you i was like yeah yeah, yeah they just need to have another death star that's that's all they need uh in the uh extended universe or whatever they had a what was it called they had a ton of them yeah they had a ton of things they like had that the sun it? crusher and the they sun had crusher the, is the one i'm thinking yeah. of yeah yeah they had tons of them yeah and then they the, then they had that one i think it was called the dark I want to say it was called the Dark Saber, but it's not the same Dark Saber that shows up in Mandalorian, because this other one was just like it was a core of a Death Star that was used for testing, and they used it. It wouldn't blow up a planet, but it would destabilize a planet. I'm mean, shut up. I didn't read that one. I think I stopped. <laughs> I think I stopped right around the Star Destroyer. But so this poem reminds me of another poem by a, an author I really enjoy, Ted Hughes, of course. Ted Hughes is problematic in that he was uh, Sylvia Plath's husband, and she was apparently so miserable with her life that she stuck her head in the, in the oven and killed herself. So, you know, he's a definitely a problem, problematic writer, but I, I do enjoy his poetry. And this is from an out-of-print book called From the Life and Songs of the Crow. The poem's called Crow's Fall. When Crow was white, he decided the sun was too white. He decided it glared much too whitely. He decided to attack it and defeat it. He got his strength flush and in full glitter. He clawed and fluffed his rage up. He aimed his beak direct at the sun's center. He laughed himself to the center of himself and attacked. At his battle cry, Trues grew suddenly old. Shadows flattened, but the sun brightened. It brightened and Crow returned charred black. He opened his mouth, but what came out was charred black. Up there, he managed, where white is black and black is white. 
I won. And I love this uh, this poem so much because it's a lot of hubris of, of this crow attacking the sun and losing and then coming back down and being very like, well, well, an opposite day I won. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, uh, I mean, Joe, Joey is more successful, but he also has like the sort of hubris that only a little kid can have. And, and I assume he was trying to attack the sun rather than just, you know, throwing stones and, and randomly hitting it. Since the dawn of time, man has yearned to destroy the sun. Yeah, it's a really weird thing, isn't it? Up there he managed where white is black and black is white. I won. Yeah, I like it. I think the reason that this poem attracts me so much is I think of myself often as a failure, but I also at the same time sometimes feel re- think really highly of myself and the only way that like a very insecure narcissistic way can be. So that's why I kind of like that's why I like the poem where you can because you can have this double think of being like, I'm, I'm meant to do that. It's cool. <laughs> I'm great. I'm still great. I'm great. I did it. That's that's very much in keeping with the exterior attitude of cats. How like they can fall off of, the, of a thing and crash through four things on the way down and break everything and sort of walk away like, oh, yes, just exactly as planned. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I'm, this is not a, a podcast about Ted Hughes, but it's about Shel Silverstein, so I should say more about Joey. <laughs> well, no, it, it's, I mean, we, we've used Shell to introduce Ted. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted to see if they had ever, like, come in contact with each other, and as far as I could tell, they did not. Let's see. I, uh, I am unfamiliar with the work of Ted Hughes, and as you have brought him up, I am now furiously Googling. And, uh, man... He, they, he, um, he's, he's not the best person, is he? No. I'm seeing quite a lot here. Hughes, this is, a, this is after the death of Sylvia Plath. Hughes dramatically wrote in a letter to an old friend of Plath's from Smith College, quote, That's the end of my life. The rest is posthumous. Of course, then he would live to 1998. Uh, some people argued that Hughes had driven Plath to suicide. Plath's gravestone in Hep stall was repeatedly vandalized by those aggrieved that Hughes is written on the stone and have attempted to chisel it off, leaving only the name Sylvia Plath. Plath's yeah. poem, The Jailer, in which the speaker condemns her husband's brutality, was included in the 1970 anthology Sisterhood is Powerful. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's like everybody's like, oh, suicide is nobody's fault or anything like that, but like some people really do like just absolutely like torture people to like a higher state of mental illness than they would otherwise be at this is 100 percent true yeah i was introduced to ted hughes uh by uh this is a cute story i was introduced to ted hughes by um this boy from a summer camp in ireland that i was like <laughs> symbolically in love with for years uh after this is wonder please repeat that entire phrase a, a a boy from a summer camp in ireland yes you have just written three young adult novels yes and uh he he recommended ted, ted hughes the crow and i i really liked it um we were both uh into some of the same poetry we were both really liked allen ginsburg and uh you know i went through a big big beat big beat fan thing in in my mid-teens <laughs> <laughs> when charles bukowski is just the best uh, not bukowski <laughs> no he's never the best <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, he really isn't. He's he's of that time, but yeah. isn't there like a, a modest mouth song about just that like Bukowski sucks? I think there is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was mostly into uh, I was mostly into Allen Ginsberg, uh, and I also uh, when I was younger I loved On the Road, but in retrospect I like really don't. And he's and actually that book is part of why I don't like like reading Shel Silverstein's biography. Because uh, it's just the pinnacle of this incredibly callous running through, ruining people's lives. And especially, like, just making women really miserable and being like, I'm fucking awesome and I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do. And everybody's just going to love me anyway. (laughs) And Ginsburg appears in On the Road, like, just chastising everybody, like... Ginsburg's the older dude and like also the apparently nice and he's just like always telling the younger kids their dicks and to calm down if you've never seen Archer they make a whole lot of little throwaway gags and one and and, and there's a there's a Ginsburg joke um and the poem of course Howl Sterling Archer the titular character is uh, is uh, drunkenly attempting to check into a hotel and the hotel manager is like well you've you've heard of Allen Ginsberg right at the and he's like yes I have and he's like well uh for an extra thousand uh, dollars you can check into the room where he wrote Howl and Archer's like oh my god of course and he, he turns around he's like you're sure this is this is this is definitely the room where he wrote Howl and the hotel manager is like why not it's probably the room where he got plowed by a bunch of different dudes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure Archer would appreciate on its own. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I am back out in the world, such as it is now that I am, <laughs> as, as a meme would have us, waxed, vaxed, and ready for sacks. Oh, um, what did you wax? Nothing. I, it was just a meme that I saw that had I know, a, a I know. I mean, I, I have been vaxxed and waxed, but I don't think I'm ready for sacks. I guess it could be wax, vax, and ready for sax if you, like, were going to the, like, jazz festival. (laughs) Upon going back out in public and promptly almost having a panic attack because, Mm. Lord, there's a lot of people out there. You'll Um, you'll have that for a while. It'll get better, though. Let's let's center ourselves. And then I had a lovely day. Um, But thinking back on the uh, pandemic and lockdown such as it was... I am going to do a tribute to the devices and the screens that kept us alive for so long, and I'm going to do Jimmy Jet and his TV set. All right. Jimmy Jet and his TV set by Shel Silverstein. I'll tell you the story of Jimmy Jet, and you know what I tell you is true. He loved to watch his TV set almost as much as you. He watched all day, he watched all night, till he grew pale and lean, from the early show to the late, late show, and all the shows between. He watched till his eyes were frozen wide, and his bottom grew into his chair, and his chin turned into a tuning dial, and antenna grew out of his hair. And his brains turned into TV tubes, and his face to a TV screen, and two knobs saying vert and horiz grew where his ears had been. And he grew a plug that looked like a tail. So we plugged in little Jim. And now, instead of him watching TV, we all sit around and watch him. 
When I was telling my roommate that, uh, oh yeah, I do this podcast about the poetry of Shel Silverstein, it was sort of came up like, well, what like what do you talk about? And I was like, well, some of it is about like the body horror and the images, and this one I was one of the examples I showed her. There is some Cronenberg esque body <laughs> horror in the work of Shel Silverstein. Yeah, like like this is Videodrome, the poem right here. What's Videodrome? It's a Cronenberg movie. Oh, I haven't seen it. Where a, a character, characters morph into horrible things, and yeah, it's the, yeah, you know it, my my introduction to Cronenberg, like as a director or whatever, was watching Rick and Morty, and they were talking about like everything's the Cronenbergs, Cronenberg. yeah, yeah, the fly, the the one with Jeff Goldblum, is it Cronenberg? That was my introduction to Cronenberg, yeah. and of course it, that's that's a hundred percent body horror. But uh, I also love how immediately dated this poem is. I know. I barely remember the TV that he's that this kid turned into. I do remember it, but it was I. It was in the house that I was in until I was about five, and then I don't think we had that TV for very much longer. Yeah, with the with the big clicky knobs where, yes. you, where you change the channels, like. Yes, it's so outdated. Uh, I hope children these days are still enjoying Shel Silverstein, but this one would be very strange to them. It would be fun as kind of a little object history lesson where it's like, you know, boys and girls, I'm older than Google. And they could be like, oh, no, and, which is a very terrifying thing to say, but yeah. you, know, you can freak out wee ones with that. Yeah, I'm older than I think a lot of things, than pretty much everything, right? If it is. <laughs> That's not true. That was, there's <laughs> trees younger than me. <laughs> there are trees younger than me. There's, there are there are good whiskeys younger than me. I do remember a, being yeah. in Japan and being at the the bar freakout and being like, we were sipping on a whiskey that some guy had given us that was like, I'm like, this is older than I am. Yeah, and, and it was now, so expensive. And now it is much younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, I actually didn't watch a whole lot of TV during the pandemic. I mean, not, the pandemic is still ongoing, but people are socializing now. I, for some reason, became disinterested, and I pretty much co- exclusively consumed podcasts. Mm. Um, and I think part of the reason was, like, I was anxious, and sometimes TV is helpful, but I think I mainly wanted to be doing two things at once as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to do that when I'm watching and listening to something. And so if I'm only watching or only listening, it it's easier and you don't really have a whole lot of watching without listening what you say is interesting and maybe you have the same experience because i put podcasts and audiobooks kind of on two weird different levels Hmm. because like if i'm doing something involved like i don't know cooking or something i can listen to a podcast but not an audiobook right and like if I'm doing something that is monotonous and requires little thought, like I don't, uh, you know, something repetitive, walking or, or goes, I can listen to an audiobook or a podcast. But if right. my hands are too involved, like there's no more audiobook. Right. Um. I mean, I feel that way about some storytelling podcasts. And like, for example, our favorite, The Good Boys, The McElroy Brothers. Like, I can listen to them <laughs> bim bam while doing other things easily, but. Often during uh, during the Adventure Zone, I have to actually listen carefully so that I know what's happening. Mindlessness versus mindlessness. I don't think any of it's all that mindless. There's probably some big field of research there that we could look into, were we not so lazy. <laughs> I, there's, I don't know about things being lazy. It's just that, you know, you can only spend, like, pay attention to a certain amount of things with the time that you have. And so you're going to have to make choices. 
another thing that this poem reminds me of is a little bit like a Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Like it definitely has that fable-esque thing where it's like, there are consequences to what you do, my children. Uh, and there's and, that great little line, almost as much as you. Yeah, almost as much as you. There, she'll does some where he's very reprimanding and like, oh, you know, be warned. And But mostly he also does like a lot of stuff that's the opposite, where he's just like, fuck what everybody else cares about. Hey, Shell, make up your mind. Are you going to be really prescriptive? Or are you going to be like, yeah, freedom, do what you want? And where does one draw the line? You draw the line at your opinion. Like, if you like... At your like, opinion. Yeah. You are like, hey, what I like is good, and what I don't like is bad. Like, how much can we learn from television? We can learn anything from television. And... But it kind of goes back to the old, like, you've seen all those primary source documents where it's like, oh, the children of today, they're using up so much paper. How will they ever learn how to properly write on a slate if they keep using paper? Right, yeah, the Greeks are are always like, oh, kids these days, and they're, like, reading. They shouldn't be reading so much. Corrupt the humors at will. Yeah, well, I think it was, like, they found it useless compared to it like a useless escapism compared to other things you could be doing in society we should be debating damn it yeah well why are you reading when you could debate in the same vein of drawing the line at your opinion i bring you ma and god oh yeah god gave us fingers ma says use your fork god gave us voices ma says don't scream Ma says eat broccoli, cereal, and carrots. But God gave us tasties for maple ice cream. God gave us fingers, Ma says, use your hanky. God gave us puddles, Ma says, don't splash. Ma says, be quiet, your father is sleeping. But God gave us garbage can covers to crash. God gave us fingers. Ma says, put your gloves on. God gave us raindrops. Ma says, don't get wet. Ma says, be careful and don't get too near to those strange, lovely dogs that God gave us to pet. God gave us fingers. Ma says, go wash them. But God gave us coal bins and nice, dirty bodies. And I ain't too smart. But there's one thing for certain. Either Ma's wrong or else God is. Yeah, but what if Ma says don't watch so much television? Well, but God gave us television. Yeah, I know. Or did he? <laughs> or did he? Or is that a man-made thing and Shell's not into that? I don't know. I think I put it on the same level as like the whole Victorian, like don't put your elbows on the table kind of crap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has another poem about table manners and saying fi to them later on, too. <laughs> Shell, Shell definitely does not think that, like, manners are all that important. But apparently the TV is a no Definitely seems to have some issues with TV. I don't think, though, that, like, anybody should play in a coal bin. Like, Shell, that's <laughs> a really bad idea. Just really bad. Like, you're, the kids are going to get black lung just rolling around <laughs> in the coal bin, and it's all going to be your fault, Shell. The kids are going to get black lung. <laughs> Was that ever... Wouldn't it That There have been memes and fads for as long as there have been humanity. It's like you go back to that thing where people ate goldfish or crammed one another into phone booths and you know, like crap like that. 
And, and you look back on eating Tide Pods, and yes, of course it's stupid, but people have always been stupid. Like, was there ever a time when playing in a coal bin was just totally a thing? Also, yeah, did anybody actually do that? But I'm sure they must have. I, I mean, I I remember, like, messing around with charcoal as a kid, and maybe it's sort of the same thing, because you have, like, this messy, weird thing that you can kind of write with, and and things like that, and it has a weird texture, and... Maybe that's it's the same sort of thing. You get excited about the coal bin because it's it's got weird properties that are kind of fun to play with. Yeah, I can't imagine someone playing in a coal bin. Like this looks this is like, hey, you know what? Let's go play in the grain silo. It's like this is a hundred percent guaranteed death. I have played in a grain silo. Oh lord, and you're still alive. Oh yes. I was le- I don't know what led me down that rabbit hole, but I was looking at the ways grain silos can kill people. There are so many ways that a grain silo can kill someone. I mean, the only one I can think of is like it's kind of like drowning in grain like quicksand. Yeah, but they can also explode. Wait, what? They can explode. Like they get all like, like they get all the chaff up in the air which can act like if a spark gets to it, that's one of those it it, it acts like a Okay. What am I trying to say? Like some crazy accelerant where, yeah. Uh, well, I've played in grain silos, but they didn't have any grain in them. They were long abandoned. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I'm picturing a a, a half-size Lauren like stomping around on the top and, you know, just clinging tenaciously to a rope to avoid the grain quicksand death. <laughs> there wasn't any grain in it. It was empty. And somebody had actually uh, started making like a fort out of it. Uh, they had like made levels like little lofts in it to to hang out in that sounds super cool it was cool but like it was also like the the fort itself had been abandoned as well like nobody had been in there in a very long time i i used to love and i probably still do love wandering around abandoned structures oh we've done that in japan behind you is a photograph that you've taken Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i do like abandoned structures well do you have anything uplifting to leave our listeners with yeah, I mean, there's a point to doing things that are you're not supposed to do and are dangerous. Like it's saying, like, hey, don't don't worry about the over precaution. But then at the, again, at the same time, some things are for your own good, and I hope you have the wisdom to choose. If it's not going to permanently maim you or someone else, eh, you're probably okay doing it. Yeah, but some of them just do those things sometimes. <laughs> don't eat firecrackers oh yeah nobody should ever do that I think everybody can agree <laughs>